great to see everyone this morning. Welcome. Welcome to our fellowship, our time of worship, um, time to get around God's Word and to feast off the Word of God, to feast off God's Word. You know, there's so much in God's Word that is so rich and we are blessed so much by eating God's Word and reading and, and finding uh, the meaning of, of what He has to say to us and understanding Him more and more. When we understand God's Word, we understand more of Him. And how can you not fall in love with him when you know him? Uh, that's more and more what we hope. Will you, your hearts will be warmed and encouraged to know him um, more and more. And welcome to also, if you're here uh, for the first time or you're uh, recent here uh, attending, we are glad and we are thankful to the Lord that you're with us. I do want to pray and ask the Lord's blessing on uh, this morning as we come and open up, and open up his words. So let's bow our heads together. Let's uh, bring... Most importantly, more than our minds this morning and more than our attention this morning, let's bring our hearts this morning. Let's open our hearts this morning to the Lord. Let's uh, pray a very simple prayer this morning. Lord, open my heart that I may hear your word and I may receive your word as it ought to be received. And uh, I pray and trust that if you do that, the Lord will speak to you and speak the words that he has for you this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to come freely before your word, to open your word as a church. So many years have passed since your coming, Lord Jesus, and your resurrection, and yet your word continues to change people's lives, yet your word continues to transform the hearts of men and women from the hardest of hearts, the coldest of hearts. Uh, your word continues to break this down and bring life and to breathe life into these people. And Father, today is no different. In a world that is cold and uh, in a world that is frightening, I pray, Lord Jesus, we're able to come this morning and in the arms of your love, find great rest and find great peace and great comfort because we trust you and we trust you with our lives. Heavenly Father, we pray today as we open up your word that you may uh, teach us and speak to us. We are thankful. We are thankful that we can come together. And we pray that we can leave all the distractions somehow, that we can uh, avoid them from getting in the way this morning, and that we can really focus on what you have to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We sang songs this morning that were quite, uh, some of you will be familiar, some of them are recently written songs, you know, and some of them have been written something like 100, 200 years ago. And um, the songs that we sang this morning, this, regardless of their time, you know, we understand and know as Christians that the Word of God is, is timeless. And so these songs that we still sing today, that they would have sung last century or the century before, are still very true for us today because it's the Word of God. And don't you love that about God's Word? If the Lord was to tarry, and if He was to tarry in the 100, 200 years, it really doesn't matter. They'd be singing the same songs that we were singing today. They'd be reading, obviously, the same Word that we're reading today. They'll be serving the same God. God is not the God of the dead, but He's the God of the living. And the same God who uh, worked with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the same God who works with us today. The same God that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob trusted in is the same God that we trust in today. And so God is this eternal God. He's eternal. He doesn't change. God does not change. And because of this, our trust 
can remain steadfast. We can build our trust in a God who doesn't change. We can build our trust in a word that doesn't change. And guess what? We can teach it to a generation, next generation, confidently knowing that we're building a foundation that will continue to last. And what a wonderful thing to be able to do because imagine teaching a next generation and saying to them, now, you know, when you grow up, we want you to do this, this, and this. And if you grow up, we think this is a good idea for you with really lacking a confidence that perhaps things will change. <laughs> Maybe people will come up with new ideas. You know, if you teach a philosophy today that you know, is kind of not even waterproof because you might not have a guarantee that that idea or that concept will even last the distance. And so the Word of God is very different. We teach it, obviously, to ourselves. We can build a foundation on it. We can build the, our, our house on it. Um, and we, we, we teach it to a generation that is going to come because we can tell them confidently, you can trust God and you can trust God's word because it, is, um, it has lasted, it, is, it has been tested, it has been tried, it has tried to uh, be destroyed and God's word still continues to remain. And more than that, it continues to change the lives of people. The hardest of hearts have been changed by the word of God. The hardest of hearts, the, the most bitterness or the bitter, the great bitter heart has been changed by the word of God. Uh, the most resentful heart has been changed by the word of God. The most addicted heart has been changed by the word of God because this is God's power. And if you don't believe this, brothers and sisters, anything I say to you this morning, really, it might be enlightening, it might be fascinating, and it might be interesting, but it won't be transforming until we come to this realization that it's the word of God, it is the word of God that transforms people's lives. Nothing I can say, no new insight I can give you, no new philosophy idea that I can give you or new spin on God's word. It's not about this. It's just simply God's word. And if I preach the same message I preached last week and if I brought out the same piece of paper that I had last week, it really wouldn't matter because it's the word of God. You don't need to be entertained. You don't need to be found you know, captivated by what I have to say. What you just need to know is, is the word of God, the true word of God. I remember once in the church many years ago, I preached one message one Sunday morning and I took the same paper and I preached it again the next Sunday morning because I, in my heart I felt that this church, the church still needed to hear this. It still needed to hear this because perhaps I thought at the time, if I remember correctly, that they're not getting it. They're not getting it. This is not, it's, it's, un- being, it's being heard but it's not being understood. And this is what it really matters. At the end of the day, we're not inviting you on a Sunday to entertain us and to be entertained. We're inviting you on a Sunday that you may take the word of God and live it in real application. That's where the wrestle is out there. The wrestle is out there. You take God's word and you wrestle it out and you allow it to become real more and more in your life. God forbid that we as Christians ever become Christians or as a church or ever become churches that have an appearance of godliness, as the scripture says, have an appearance of a nice church, but we deny the power that lies within us. We don't live out the word of God this church will crumble. The next generation will crumble. It will crumble if it does this. Uh, you know, as much as our young adults are zealous for the word of God, and until they are really living out practically God's word, they're not going to last. They won't last. It'll, yes, they will exist. They will, there will be an existence of the church, but the real sense of who we are as Christians won't last. Because the trials of life, the temptations of life, the challenges of life, all the things that compete against people is eventually going to suck the life out of them. 
unless we are digging deep in God's word and we're allowing God's word to be our very rock and our source. So we thank God for his word. It is, it is truly a treasure indeed. And I'd like, to, I'd like to start this morning by opening up the book of Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs. And isn't Proverbs such a beautiful book? Isn't Proverbs a magnificent book? You know, I don't know if, how many of you have read the book of Proverbs before, but it is one of those really great treasures of life where we can actually take God's word and it's so real, it's so real, it's practical. It has uh, instruction after instruction in the word of God. And you know what, if you really want to make, if, if you want to make Proverbs a bit of a devotional book, it's actually really helpful because Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. That's convenient, isn't it? One, one, one a day for a whole month. How convenient would that be? You can make a, a book, you know, you know, there's lots of devotional books out there where you read a devotion every day. Well, you can make Proverbs like this. You can read a chapter a day for a whole month and uh, know that you'll work through the book of Proverbs and this will be rich indeed. And it's great. It's a, it's a really great resource. It's a wonderful resource. But I want to draw our attention this morning to Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to share with you a couple of passages from Proverbs chapter 4. And then I want to focus particularly on one of those passages. So let's read together firstly verses 1 to 4. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother... He also taught me, and he said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. And it's a beautiful passage because what the beginning of this chapter is basically saying is a father sharing his heart to his son. It's a parent sharing their heart with their child whether it's father, mother, whatever it is. But it's the, it's the father sharing with his son and basically saying, son, listen, listen to my words. I know you're going to hear a lot of voices out there. There's going to be a lot of challenges out there. There's going to be a lot of opinions out there, a lot of people who are going to want you and want your heart. But I tell you, son, listen to me. Listen to what I have to tell you because the words I'm going to tell you are going to give you life. Now, this is very good. This is very good from a general perspective, from just a common sense perspective. Children, it is wise to listen to their parents, particularly if their parents are giving good, sound advice. So from a very general principle of life perspective, this is pretty healthy stuff. But it take, goes to a whole other level when it comes from a heart, from a man or a woman, a parent, who comes from a place of godly counsel because they have lived and experienced and tasted the Word of God and they've lived out and they have character because God is real to them and God's Word is alive in them. It's a whole other level. That son, that daughter should not just listen but pay close attention. What is it that my dad knows? that I have not yet to learn, have learnt in life? What is it that my mother knows that I'm still yet to understand because of my age, no matter, how, no matter how much I think I know at my age? What is it that they know that I still haven't grasped because they live the Word of God? They understand the Word of God. 
God is real for them. Faith is real for them. They're not, they're not hypocrites. They're not contradicting to God's word. They are truly living out the word of God. What is it that they know? And so this man is talking to his, Solomon's talking to his son. And what he's doing is basically saying, son, listen to me. Because I have tasted and tried the word of God. And if you listen, I'm going to spare you much heartache. And you're going to have life. It's going to bring you life. And yet still the hearts of children run, run, picking all the flowers of life except the true rose of Sharon, truly Jesus. And the counsel's good because the father knows that the world, that he's competing against the world who wants to capture the heart of his children. The father knows that. And then he goes on to say, verse 20, look at verse 20 with me. He goes on to say, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. And here's some more instruction. He wants him to take God's word and he wants, to, he wants it to, them to store it somewhere in particular. Not, you know, keep it in your memory. Or not, you know, uh, write it down somewhere in your journal. He wants him to store it somewhere in particular. And brothers and sisters, this is where I ask you, Uh, to store God's word, the same place that the father asks his son to store the word of God. And he says, I want you to store it in the midst, in the midst of your heart, in a place that is enclosed and secured by you. Because he asks him to do something, he says, I want you to guard your heart. I want you to guard your heart. Because from it, spring the issues of life because I want you to guard it and I'll come back to that in a moment one of the greatest gifts that God has given us brothers and sisters one of the greatest gifts no one can deny this is our heart it's one of the greatest gifts we all have one and of course, we're not talk, I'm not talking about the physical thing in us, organ that beats every day and keeps us alive, although that's very important. We all have one. And it takes a wise person, a mature person, a courageous person to realize they have a heart. And this heart, the question about it, really the scripture tells us is two things. What are we going to do with it? And listen very carefully, What are we going to allow other people to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And then what are we going to allow other people to do with it? The people around us. The people we love or think we love. What are we going to allow them to do with it as well? Because at the end of the day, the greatest one that we can trust with our heart is the one who laid down his life for us. Jesus says there's no greater love than this, than a man lay down down his life for his friends. And the greatest one, if you want to trust someone with your heart, 
the greatest one that you're going to be able to trust, really trust, like give everything over to, totally surrender to, the greatest one is the one who made you and gave his life for you. It's interesting, the heart. I want to share some thoughts about it. The phrase, you stole my heart. What does that even mean? Someone steals my heart. What does that mean for someone to steal my heart? How do they steal my heart? They don't rip it out of my chest. How do they actually steal my heart? Because people experience this. People know and feel and experience the loss of something by someone that they have trusted, someone they've given themselves over to, who somehow have done something to have ripped what feels like out of them their whole being. The, the, the hub of who they are, the center of their, their well-being, their center of them, their existence. And they say to people, don't you realize you stole my heart or you broke my heart? And I understand that because the heart has many, many competing factors. Don't kid yourself and don't try and um, um, misguide yourself by thinking that your heart is set on one thing alone and it will never change. It's like somehow on one way uh, path and it's never going to be uh, distracted. Again, the, the mature, wise person says, I know every day there are things competing for my heart. Every day. From the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, there are things trying to drag my heart away from God. And so the father says to his son, as I would say to you, guard your heart. Because from this spring the issues of life. So you've got to guard it. Because if you leave it unguarded and exposed, well then the enemy will gladly come in and do what he has to do. Leave the gate unlocked to the garden and the little foxes will come in and spoil the vines. Because that's what happens. And so the, the phrase, um, stealing my heart or breaking my heart, is, is not unusual, not unfamiliar to us. I mean, people write songs about hearts. What's the, the famous songs? Don't go breaking my heart. You know, because why? Because that's the, that's the request. Don't break my heart. Or um, here's an interesting one. I think they've got this completely biblically inaccurate, but listen to your heart. You know, I don't know if I want to listen to my heart when it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But, you know, it's interesting because, it, you know, listen to your heart. Uh, what's another song? Oh, here, they, they've got this right. They, they, they nailed this one. A good heart these days is hard to find. In fact, probably the words should be a good heart these days is impossible to find. Because where is there a good heart before they come to know the Lord? You see, because God, because people, um, people long for these things. This is not, they haven't made it up. They're made like this. And they're made to come into this kind of um, connection with something outside of them. And so they, they're pleading that, that they would not be hurt or there would not be any compromise and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, God is asking us something very, very simple 
And he says, guard your heart. And guarding your heart, interestingly, is, is what also we give our hearts to. Like what, what is it that we actually find ourselves giving our hearts to? Now, biblically, the heart is a fascinating concept. When we look at the heart in the Bible, it, there's this, this whole range of understanding about it. It isn't just something the Bible describes as, as something that beats in our chest or something that we desire, though we often think of the heart as something that we desire. But if you look at the heart in the, in, I think it's over a thousand times that the Bible talks about the heart, it is fascinating to understand really the heart at the end of the day from a biblical perspective is really the hub of everything we are as human. I'll give you some examples. It deals with our, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's dealing with things like our emotions, our desires, our thoughts, our reasoning, our conscience, our understanding, our morality, our decision making. Boy, like it's everything. It's being human. And so there isn't one particular thing that we're actually told this is the heart. So no wonder why we are instructed in the scriptures, love the Lord your God first with all your heart. So the scripture tells us to guard it. Verse 23, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And this word guard is a very simple word. It's imagine something that you protect. You put a fence around. You put a a proper way to guard it, not against people who love you and care for you, but against the things that want to hurt it. It's confine it. Allow it to be protected. Watch out. Observe. Keep an eye out for things. This is when the Bible speaks about guarding And we know people in the scriptures who did it well, and we know people in the scriptures who didn't do it well. I'll give you an example of someone who didn't do it well. Someone in the book of Acts called Simon the Sorcerer. When he went around and he saw the disciples doing quite amazing things, and he saw that when they were praying and the Holy Spirit was going upon people when they were praying, in his heart he thought to himself that uh, he would actually be able to give money for this because his heart became quite covetous. He became quite excited at the idea that, hey, if I could give money, maybe I can get this gift of giving the Holy Spirit. He was so kind of misguided at the whole thing because his heart was leaning towards something that wasn't right and he wasn't guarding it and what when you don't guard your heart it comes out of your mouth or comes through your behavior and so he says to the disciples he says he offered the money saying give me this power also that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit and Peter's response to him was very sharp and basically he says to him you're not of God you better get your life right you better repent It was a very sharp response because Simon the sorcerer was led by his emotions. He was led by, he wasn't guarding his heart. He wasn't allowing himself to be protected. You know, he saw something, he wanted it, bang, I've got to have it. Well, no, not everything you see and you want, you've got to have. That's not guarding your heart. Guarding your heart is being able to know, is this good, is this proper, watchful, observing? Is this going to help me? Is it going to hurt me? Is this something I should be doing? What's the scripture says about it? What does the scripture say about it? And so he didn't guard his heart. Another man in the Old Testament, very, very long time ago, by the man of Achan. 
Some of you remember the man Achan when God's people were in battle with other countries, other nations, other peoples. Um, he went and he took the spoil that he shouldn't have been taking. He took it. He took the goods of the people that they had conquered and he, ta- he brought it and he hid it in his tent. Because again, what he did, he saw, he wanted, he wasn't able to guard his heart, he wasn't able to protect himself from the, the, the temptations around him. So he went and he went after it and he grabbed it. And all of a sudden, because he had it in his tent, his whole nation was suffering because of it. They were losing the battle because of what he did. Until God revealed it was him and he confessed and he said to Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil of a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 20 shekel, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And this is what we do, brothers and sisters. We take what is not ours. We go after things that are hurtful. We don't guard our hearts and then we grab them and we dig them deep in the earth of our hearts and we hope no one will see them until they start to hurt us and it begins to undo us and until we come to a place where we must confess and say, Lord, I did it. I went after something I shouldn't have gone. I didn't guard my heart. I didn't listen to my father's instruction. I listened to something else. I, li- I, went, I went with what I felt. I listened to my heart. <laughs> And then there's this undoing of ourselves and we come to a place, thankfully, a place of repentance and we say, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. Conversely, Jesus, he guarded his heart, didn't he? When he was in the garden, under great stress, under great pressure, can you imagine this man, a man like you and I, no different? gets into the garden and he's at the end of his life. He knows the cross is around the corner. He knows the pain he's about to endure. He knows the suffering that he's going to have to go through. And all of a sudden he's in the garden and his disciples, he asks him a very simple request, please pray with me. <laughs> and he goes and he comes back and they're what? Sleeping. Now, I don't know about you, but that would raise some kind of temptation, wouldn't it? It's like, guys, seriously? I asked you just to pray. Now, that's not what he said to them. But I'm telling you, if he didn't guard his heart, it would have been what he said to them. But he guarded his heart. He looked at them. He, went, he asked them again. And he went again and he came back and they're sleeping again. And again, at this time, how many of you would get frustrated at the person? I asked you to do this. I come back, it's not done yet. Because you've got to guard your heart. So you guard your heart. Okay, I'm going to come back home again. It's not done. But guard my heart. Yes, communicate, but guard your heart. Yes, speak truth, but guard your heart. And then, not only that, when he comes and sees Judas coming into the garden, and all of a sudden Judas, who he loved and invested in, washed his feet, all those things. You know, he, he invested his life into Judas, and Judas comes to him and kisses him. How many, of, how many of us would, would retaliate? But Jesus says simply, with a kiss, you betray the Son of Man. Again, if Jesus hadn't guarded his heart, I think easily he would have said something differently to Judas. But he guarded it. And he allowed it, uh, the Father in heaven to take full control of the situation. 
Have a think about the people in your life or the situations in your life that, that we really have to guard our hearts against. People, oh, you know people in your life, people who irritate you. Are there people, maybe you don't know anyone. Don't say who it is. But it's probably someone who popped into your head. Oh, person's so irritating. You know, that person, that person, brother and sister, that person, listen carefully to this because you might find me strange in saying this. You might find it odd that I'm saying this. You might even disagree with me. But that person could just very simply be in your life by God so you can learn to guard your heart. Who irritates you? Oh, who does things different to you? you? They don't do it your way. And for some reason, because they don't do it your way, it's not right. So you've got to guard your heart, because why is your way the right way? You've got to guard your heart. And so what comes out of your mouth and what comes through your behavior should still represent the word of God and the image of Christ. Sure, you can tell them maybe a better way, but listen carefully. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Let the meditation of your heart be acceptable to the Lord. You know, don't not speak nicely in your heart. You're thinking, are oh, you? Excuse me. No, let the words reflect what's in your heart. Let it be, let it be what Christ wants it to be. What about moments of panic when you panic? And we all have them. Something happens unexpectedly and you start to panic because this is going to happen. What happens if this happens? And if this happens, that's going to happen. And we begin to panic. In those moments, brothers and sisters, we have to learn to guard our hearts. We need to learn to not live out of a place of panic, but out of a place of trust. It doesn't mean you won't feel it. It doesn't mean you won't get the emotion of it. But to live out of a place of trust in the midst of the panic. Does that make sense? And if we can work on this, listen carefully, if we can work on this before we work on others, I think we've learned something, something of the secret of life. So the, so the father says, guard your heart, because here's the reason why I want you to guard your heart, because from this place and everything we've spoken about spring the issues of life. This is where the whole source of life comes from, the exit place of all the outcomes of life, the release, if you like, of everything that is going to happen in life. The joys as well as the regrets. Uh, the righteousness as well as the mistakes, the successes as well as the pains. You choose. You've got to guard your heart because from this spring those issues of life. You can live life that is um, aimed and, and built on and secured in the things of Christ or you can go off and do things that will bring you the unnecessary pains and regrets and the mistakes of that life can bring at times. Whatever. But the principle's the same. Guard your heart because from it flow the springs of life. And ultimately what God is asking us to do as Christians is we guard our hearts and we put our faith completely and, and, and solely in the word of God, then what the springs of life are going to be are everything that God has planned and purposed for us and ultimately to reflect somewhat or something of the image of Christ in our lives. Trials will come and there'll be a reflection of Christ. Troubles will come and there'll be the peace of Christ. 
heartache will come and we're able to somehow find the security of Christ. And so he's telling us to guard this because at the end of the day, these are the, this is ultimately the, the conformity that we have to Jesus. Last week I shared with you that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's the same thing. It's a principle. You, you put your treasure in something and give some, enough of your time to it, that's where your heart's going. It's like you're sitting on a GPS. That's what I want. That's where I'm going. Your heart will get there. Don't worry, your heart will find its way there. So it's interesting because when people say to me things like, yeah, but my heart's not in it. What do you mean your heart's not in it? What are you, what are you trying to do? Lift it up and put it in something? What, your heart, what do you mean your heart's not in it? It's not, a, it's not rocket science. Start seeking after and searching for and living for and applying yourself to certain things and your heart will follow. You're not going to jumpstart your heart. You can, by the grace of God, by crying out to him. For sure, God can change the heart. And God abides with those with a broken and contrite heart. I get that. But I think it's simple. The things I seek in life are the things where my heart will follow. This is, brothers and sisters, the change that really lasts. You know, you speak to someone, you think, my goodness, how are they ever going to change? Have you ever spoken to someone like that? How are they ever going to change? Well, really, what you're asking yourself is this, when will their heart change? Because you you don't want to change people through manipulating them, because what's that going to do? You don't want to change people out of guilt. You don't want to change people out of reasoning and rationale. At the end of the day, what you want is for their heart to change because this is where the real change occurs and this is where the lasting change occurs because the heart change is the spiritual freedom in Christ. It's the heart that the Lord moves and takes from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. When you get that, boy, there's no stopping the person. And that happens when people humble themselves humble themselves really and put their faith in Christ. See, without humility and faith, it's very hard to do that. I was tossing and turning whether I'd share this next point. I want to finish up. But for those who are interested in a bit of theology, just throw this out to you. Now, I'm not saying I'm right. Actually, I could be wrong. That's why I'm putting myself out there a little bit. But if it interests you, then you can come back and have a discussion with me about it. But there was a man that Jesus was speaking to. And uh, they were talking about life, as Jesus often did. And the man asked Jesus about life, and Jesus says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Remember that passage? With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself and there's no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there's no other beside he. Now listen to what the scribe says to him and tell me what you see. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding 
and with all thus strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much, much more than the whole burnt offerings and the sacrifices. You notice any difference there? Now, I don't know, maybe it's subtle. And I looked into the, the original text and it's there as well. And maybe it's subtle. But Jesus is simply saying to this man, is this, you know, you want to be right with God, you need to love him with all your heart. And man says, oh, that's a good point. You need to love God with all the heart. Maybe a little bit of a difference here, but I see something really interesting. Because we can, we can articulate and we can reason and we can rationalize everything of the things of God. We can even say it is true until it becomes you. You. You love God with all your heart, not the heart, with all your heart. That's where life is. So it's interesting, Jesus then says to him, when Jesus answered, saw that he answered wisely, because he did, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not there yet, you're not far. Humility and faith. One of the most beautiful prayers that we can pray this morning, brothers and sisters, is this. If our heart is not in the right place or it's never known God, it's a simple prayer, the prayer of David, create in me a clean heart. What a beautiful prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Allow all my emotions, all my desires, all my passions, all my reasonings, all my understanding, all my moral decisions, everything in life, let it be centered around you because your word is in the midst of my heart. And this morning we can chase as many things as we want. But I think let's go back to a very wise dad who said to his son, listen to me and take heed to my words and plant them in the midst of your heart. And I think we will do very well. Let's pray together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. A very simple prayer this morning that we can ask the Lord to work a work in us. But I want to ask you this morning, are we prepared to come humbly before the Lord and accept what the Lord is saying? Because humility will allow this to happen. If pride gets in the way, again, the word of God will not penetrate. The word of God will just be good advice. But when we say, Lord, here I am, and we choose to humble ourselves before the Lord, that's when we pray truly, created me a clean heart. That's where we see the power of God that transforms life. And to have faith, not in people, faith, not in uh, philosophies and ideas, but faith in the word of God. Let's... Uh, Let's come in a time to reflect and ask the Lord, maybe even pray in the heart of hearts, Lord, create in me a clean heart this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you, God Almighty, that you are the God who searches the depths of our hearts, that you see every thought and every intent, that you are the God who looks upon those with a broken and contrite heart, that you are a God who sees and understands, restores and heals and strengthens us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us this great gift and to you we give this gift back, every part of it, 
completely and totally to you. May everything this week consume us because of you, for you, and for your glory. May your hand be upon us with your safety this week, and your protection, and your teaching. May your power and your love surround us in everything that we do as a church and as your people, that your kingdom, your kingdom be established, Father. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.